Right now in this season, people all over the world are talking about Israel, both its land and its people. You'll see it on the news, in social media, on Twitter, on Facebook. People discussing and arguing about the people and the land's place in our current world or even as believers. I have seen people say that God is done with the Jewish people or that God doesn't care about that stretch of desert in the Middle East. And some are even saying, of course, that the church has replaced Israel and that we only need to concern ourselves with the spiritual, that the physical no longer matters. But what does scripture have to say? In this video, I will be exploring the top 50 promises and prophecies that God has given in his word concerning the land of Israel and his people Israel, both those who are natural born as well as those who are grafted in. A simple read through scripture shows you that the whole of scripture is centered around this little plot of land in the Middle East called Israel and this peculiar people that God has called his chosen people. That is why it is so important if you want to understand prophecy, if you desire to understand God's heart, it is to understand the place of Israel, both its land and its people. Now there are some, of course, we're seeing online who are saying that, but Israel has sinned. Look at all the sin taking place in Israel. Look at Tel Aviv. Look at the abominations that there that is happening in Israel right now, how can they still be the chosen people? The irony of it is that we also commit abominations. Every single time Yeshua says that you look at a woman with lust, you've committed adultery in your heart. None of us are free from sin because we all have sinned. We have all fallen short of the glory of God. And so have many in Israel as well. Every single one of us really have fallen short of his glory. But does that mean God has rejected his people? We're going to see what scripture has to say about that. But also, even as Paul writes in Romans 11, for if their current, the Jewish people's current rejection of Messiah means reconciliation of the world, what will their acceptance of Yeshua mean but life from the dead? Paul's heart, God's heart, is that all of Israel will be saved. We are called to preach the gospel to every nation, to the Jew first and also to the Gentile. And the only way we can do this with any success is if we have our Father's heart. Join me as we read through 50 amazing prophecies and promises our Father has given us in his word about Israel. All right, let's dive in. Isaiah 44, 1 through 5. But now hear, O Jacob, my servant, Israel whom I have chosen. Thus says the Lord who made you, who formed you from the womb, and will help you. Fear not, O Jacob, my servant, Jeshurun, whom I have chosen, for I will pour water on the thirsty land and streams on the dry grounds. I will pour my spirit upon your offspring and my blessing on your descendants. They shall spring up among the grass like willows by flowing streams. This one will say, I belong to the Lord, Others will say, I am a descendant of Jacob. Some will write the Lord's name on their hands and will take the name of Israel as their own. Isaiah 62, verse 1. For Zion's sake, I will not keep silent. And for Jerusalem's sake, I will not be quiet. 
until her righteousness goes forth as brightness and her salvation as a burning torch. Genesis 12, 1-3 Now the Lord said to Abram, Go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you, and I will make of you a great nation, and I will bless you and make your name great, so that you will be a blessing, and I will bless those who bless you, and him who dishonors you I will curse, and in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Genesis 17:3-8. And God spoke to Abraham and said, And I will establish my covenant between me and you and your offspring after you throughout their generations for an everlasting covenant to be God to you and to your offspring after you. And I will give to you and to your offspring after you the land of your sojournings, all the land of Canaan for an everlasting possession, and I will be their God. Psalm 122. I was glad when they said to me, Let us go to the house of the Lord. Our feet have been standing within your gates, O Jerusalem. Jerusalem, built as a city that is bound firmly together, to which the tribes go up, the tribes of the Lord, as was decreed for Israel, to give thanks to the name of the Lord. There thrones for judgment were set, the throne of the house of David. Pray for the peace of Jerusalem. May they be secure who love you. Peace be within your walls and security within your towers. For my brothers and companions' sake, I will say, Peace be within you. For the sake of the house of the Lord our God, I will seek your good. And even as we just read, pray for the peace of Jerusalem. Let us do so right now. Dear Heavenly Father, Father, we praise you, we honor you, we glorify your name. Father, we pray for the peace of Jerusalem as it is written in your word. Father, we pray that those who live there, those who are called by your name, Father, we ask that eyes are opened so that they may see your peace, the Prince of Peace, the Sar Shalom, Yeshua Messiah, their Messiah, Father. Father, we pray that there will no longer be divisions in the hearts of men, but that they will run after you, Father. We pray for the body of Messiah in Israel and around the world, that we will come together and not against each other, but to come together as one body to run after your heart and what is on your heart. Yeshua's name. Second Chronicles chapter 6, verse 6. I have chosen Jerusalem that my name may be there, says the Lord. And I have chosen David to be over my people Israel. As we just read in 2 Chronicles chapter 6, verse 6, God literally says, I have placed my name on Jerusalem, on that piece of land over there in the Middle East, for it is mine. Isaiah 43, But now thus says the Lord, He who created you, O Jacob, he who formed you, O Israel, fear not, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by name, and you are mine. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And through the rivers, they shall not overwhelm you. When you walk through fire, you shall not be burned, and the flame shall not consume you. For I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. Fear not, for I am with you. 
I will bring your offspring from the east, and from the west I will gather you. I will say to the north, Give up, and to the south, Do not withhold. Bring my sons from afar and my daughters from the ends of the earth. Everyone who is called by my name, whom I created for my glory, whom I formed and made. Psalm 147, 1 through 5. The Lord builds up Jerusalem. He gathers the outcasts of Israel. He heals the brokenhearted and binds up their wounds. He determines the number of the stars. He gives to all of them their names. Great is our Lord and abundant in power. His understanding is beyond measure. Isaiah 41, 8 through 11 and 13. But you, Israel, my servant, Jacob, whom I have chosen, the offspring of Abraham, my friend, you whom I took from the ends of the earth and called from its farthest corners, saying to you, you are my servant. I have chosen you and not cast you off. Fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you, I will help you, and I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Behold, all who are incensed against you shall be put to shame and confounded. Those who strive against you shall be as nothing and shall perish. For I, the Lord your God, hold your right hand. It is I who say to you, Fear not, I am the one who helps you. And you know what I love that God just said here in verse 9? You are my servant. I have chosen you and not cast you off. Isaiah 49, 5 through 6. And now the Lord says, He who formed me from the womb to be his servant, to bring Jacob back to him, and that Israel might be gathered to him. For I am honored in the eyes of the Lord, and my God has become my strength. He says, it is too light a thing that you should be my servant to raise up the tribes of Jacob and to bring back the preserved of Israel. I will make you as a light for the nations and that my salvation may reach to the ends of the earth. And that's a key point that God has called Israel to be a light to the nations. And we who are engrafted into Israel are called to do this as well. Ezekiel eleven seventeen. Therefore say, Thus says the Lord God, I will gather you from the peoples and assemble you out of the countries where you have been scattered, and I will give you the land of Israel. Isaiah 49, 13-16 Sing for joy, O heavens, and exult, O earth. Break forth, O mountains, into singing. For the Lord has comforted his people and will have compassion on his afflicted. But Zion said, The Lord has forsaken me. My Lord has forgotten me. Can a woman forget her nursing child, that she should have no compassion on the son of her womb? Even these may forget, yet I will not forget you. Behold, I have engraved you on the palms of my hands, and your walls are continually before me. Isaiah 62, 6-7 On your walls, O Jerusalem, I have set watchmen, all the day and all the night, they shall never be silent. You who call upon the Lord, take no rest and give him no rest until he establishes Jerusalem and makes it a praise in all the earth. 
part of our roles as watchmen is that we give the Lord no rest and we continuously lift up Jerusalem, the peace of Jerusalem, the people of Israel to him until he makes them a praise in all the earth. Ezekiel 37, 21. Then say to them, Thus says the Lord God, Behold, I will take the people of Israel from the nations among which they have gone, and I will gather them from all around and bring them to their own land. Amos 9.14-15 I will restore the fortunes of my people Israel, and they shall rebuild the ruined cities and inhabit them. They shall plant vineyards and drink their wine. They shall make gardens and eat their fruit. I will plant them on their land, and they shall never again be uprooted out of the land that I have given them, says the Lord your God. Leviticus 25:23 The land shall not be sold in perpetuity for the land is mine says the Lord. This verse is such an important verse because in regards to the comments I read earlier how there are those online who are saying that God no longer cares about that stretch of desert in the Middle East called Israel. You know, God's forgotten it. God it doesn't matter anymore. All that matters is just the spiritual. I would like to remind you that God has said in Leviticus 25 that this land, speaking of the physical land, is mine. I would be extremely, extremely wary of saying God has rejected that which he has said is his. Deuteronomy 14 verse 2, for you are a people holy to the Lord your God, for the Lord has chosen you to be a people for his treasured possession out of all the peoples who are on the face of the earth. Isaiah 40 verse 2 Speak tenderly to Jerusalem and cry to her that her warfare is ended and that her iniquity is pardoned, that she has received from the Lord's hand double for all her sins. Zechariah 9 verse 9 Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion! Shout aloud, O daughter of Jerusalem! Behold, your king is coming to you. Righteous and having salvation is he, humble and seated on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. Micah 5 verse 2 But you, Bethlehem, Ephrathah, who are too little to be among the clans of Judah, out of you shall come forth for me one who is to be ruler of Israel, whose coming forth is from of old, from ancient days. Romans 1.16 For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Gentile. John 4.22-26 And this is when Yeshua was speaking to the Samaritan woman. Yeshua said, You worship what you do not know. We worship what we know. For salvation is from the Jews. But the hour is coming and is now here when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For the Father is seeking such people to worship him. God is spirit and those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. And the woman said to him, I know that Messiah is coming, he who is called Christ. When he comes, he will tell us all things. Yeshua said to her, I who speak to you am he. 
Isaiah 62, verse 11. Behold, the Lord has proclaimed to the end of the earth, Sage the daughter of Zion, Behold, your salvation comes. Behold, his reward is with him, and his recompense before him. Psalm 48, verse 2. Beautiful in elevation is the joy of all the earth, Mount Zion in the far north, the city of the great king. Deuteronomy 26, 13 and 15. Then you shall say before the Lord your God, Look down from your holy habitation, from heaven, and bless your people Israel, and the ground that you have given us, as you swore to our fathers, a land flowing with milk and honey. Matthew 27, 37 and 39. And Yeshua said to these certain Pharisees, O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, the city that kills the prophets and stones those who are sent to it, how often would I have gathered your children together as a hen gathers her chicks under her wings, and you were not willing. For I tell you, you will not see me again until you say, Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Romans 11, 1 through 2 and 5. I ask then, has God rejected his people? By no means, for I myself am an Israelite, a descendant of Abraham, a member of the tribe of Benjamin. God has not rejected his people whom he foreknew. So too at the present time, there is a remnant, a remnant chosen by grace. And that is so key because as I mentioned earlier, there are many who are saying that those in Israel can no longer be God's chosen people, that God has rejected them because they are full of sin. Just look at the sin. Look at the abominations that are happening in the land of Israel right now. If you think about it, it's not that different from the Israel that Yeshua walked around in his time in the first century as well. When he said, woe to you, woe to you, those who kill the prophets. I mean, look at the history of Israel all throughout their history, throughout the scripture. Their entire story is God calling them and then they kind of follow God for a while and then they kind of go after other gods and commit all these different types of abominations and then God has to call them back, call them back. He sends prophets to them. And we see that Israel is sent into exile to Babylon, to other nations because they have forsaken the Lord their God. And yet in the midst of all their sin, God has said, I have not forgotten you. I have not cast you off because I made a promise. And I, who am faithful, even though you are faithless, will keep my promise and my covenant with you. And that is why Paul wrote in Romans 11, has God rejected his people? By no means. Continuing on, Romans 11, 11 through 12 and 15. I would encourage you to read the entire chapter. I read a lot of it here because, well, I couldn't help myself. It's all so good, but I did have to cut out a few verses just for the sake of time. But go read the whole chapter on your own, please. Romans 11, 11 through 12 and 15. So I ask, did they stumble, the Jewish people, in order that they might fall? By no means. Rather, through their trespass, salvation has come to the Gentiles so as to make Israel jealous. Now, if their trespass means riches for the world, and if their failure means riches for the Gentiles, how much more will their full inclusion mean 
For if their rejection means the reconciliation of the worlds, what will their acceptance mean but life from the dead? And the next part of this chapter, Paul goes into this whole mystery of being grafted into Israel, that we as Gentiles, we who once were far off, we who were not part of the people of promise, you can say, because of our faith in Yeshua, because of the blood of Yeshua, that we can also be grafted in to the olive tree of Israel. But Paul has very uh, important words to say about what this looks like and also a warning. Romans 11, 17-27 But if some of the branches were broken off, that is to say, those who were unbelieving of Israel, and you, although a wild olive shoot, were grafted in among the others, and now share in the nourishing root of the olive tree, do not be arrogant towards the branches. If you are, remember, it is not you who supports the root, but the root supports you. Then you will say, branches were broken off so that I might be grafted in. That is true. They were broken off because of their unbelief. But you stand fast through faith. So do not become proud, but fear. For if God did not spare the natural branches, neither will he spare you. Note then the kindness and the severity of God. Severity towards those who have fallen, but God's kindness to you, provided you continue in his kindness. Otherwise, you too will be cut off. And even they, if they do not continue in their unbelief, will be grafted in, for God has the power to graft them in again. For if you were cut off from what is by nature a wild olive tree, and grafted contrary to nature into a cultivated olive tree, how much more will these, the natural branches, be grafted back into their own olive tree? Lest you be wise in your own sight, I do not want you to be unaware of this mystery, brothers. A partial hardening has come upon Israel until the fullness of the Gentiles has come in. And in this way, all of Israel will be saved. As it is written, the Deliverer will come from Zion. He will banish ungodliness from Jacob. And this will be my covenant with them when I take away their sins. For the gifts and the calling of God are irrevocable. This whole chapter is so important and it is such an important reminder that we as believers in Messiah who are grafted in to Israel, we must remember this warning that we are not here to replace, we are to become part, to be grafted into. And that if we become proud and arrogant, or as I have seen on Facebook, I have seen online, the hatred, the anti-Semitism that is against those who are Jewish by believers, be very, very careful. Because as Paul writes, God can just as easily cut you off, more easily even, because you were an olive a wild olive branch grafted in. As amazing as it is, as we already know, there are many natural branches that have come back, that are coming back, that are seeing the beauty of Messiah. Yeshua has been prophesied throughout scripture that they are coming to faith because that is this olive tree of faith. Our responsibility as believers in Yeshua is not to look down our noses at those that we don't think are as good as us or that might be missing something. Our job is to pray and to reach them with the love of Yeshua. Second Peter 3 verse 9 
The Lord is not slow to fulfill his promise, as some count slowness, but is patient towards you, not wishing that any should perish, but that all should reach repentance. And I included this verse, even though it's not specifically about the people of Israel alone, but because it relates to all of us. For God has patience with all of us. How can we require and demand patience and grace from God and yet not extend that same patience and grace towards others? We will end up like the parable of the unmerciful, the unforgiving servant, the one who was forgiven a great debt by the king, but then demanded a debt from another servant. And when the king heard of it, he sent that unforgiving servant to prison. So thank goodness for the Lord's patience with us and with his people Israel, because his heart is that, as it says in 2 Peter 3, 9, that he does not desire any to perish, but that all should reach repentance. And if that is our Father's heart, should that not be our heart as well? Romans 10, verse 1, Brothers, my heart's desire and prayer to God for Israel is that they may be saved. Again, if this is Paul's heart, if this is the Father's heart, should this not be our heart as well? And the answer is yes. Yes, it should. Romans 9, 2-5 I have great sorrow and unceasing anguish in my heart, for I could wish that I myself were accursed and cut off from Christ, Messiah, for the sake of my brothers, my kinsmen, according to the flesh. They are Israelites, and to them belong the adoption, the glory, the covenants, the giving of the law, the worship, and the promises. To them belong the patriarchs, and from their race, according to the flesh, is the Messiah, who is God over all, blessed forever. Amen. You know what Paul says in these verses is absolutely crazy. Like he literally says, I would be willing to give up my own salvation to be accursed if for the sake of my Jewish brothers and sisters, if they could come to faith. Like, wow, that is insane and incredible. The love he has for the Jewish people. Yes, he is Jewish, but we are also grafted into Israel. We are part of this olive tree. We who believe in Christ, as scripture says, we are also Abram's offspring. And of course, Yeshua, he is Jewish. We are part of the same story that has gone from the beginning of time till now. Do we have the same heart and love for the Jewish people that Paul had? Romans 9, 30 through 33. What shall we say then? that Gentiles who did not pursue righteousness have attained it, that is, a righteousness that is by faith, but that Israel, who pursued a law that would lead to righteousness, did not succeed in reaching that law? Why? Because they did not pursue it by faith, but as if it were based on works. They have stumbled over the stumbling stone. As it is written, Behold, I am laying in Zion a stone of stumbling, a rock of offense, and whoever believes in him will not be put to shame. Galatians 3, 6-9 Just as Abraham believed God and it was counted to him as righteousness, know then that it is those of faith who are the sons of Abraham. And the scripture, foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith, preached the gospel beforehand to Abraham, saying, 
and you shall all the nations be blessed. So then those who are of faith are blessed along with Abraham, the man of faith. Ephesians 2, 11-13 Therefore remember that formerly you who are Gentiles in the flesh and called uncircumcised by the so-called circumcision, that is, done in the body by human hands, remember that at that time you were separate from Messiah, you were alienated from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers to the covenants of the promise, without hope and without God in the world. But now in Messiah Yeshua, you who once were far off have been brought near through the blood of Messiah. Romans 4.16 That is why it depends on faith, in order that the promise may rest on grace and be guaranteed to all his offspring, not only to the adherent of the law, but also to the one who shares the faith of Abraham, who is the father of us all. Romans 3, 1-3, verses 23-25, and verse 31. Guys, there's too many great verses, I could not read them all, so I had to just choose my favorites. Go read the whole book of Romans. Do it. Then what advantage has the Jew? Or what is the value of circumcision? Much in every way. To begin with, the Jews were entrusted with the oracles of God. So what if some were unfaithful? Does their faithlessness nullify the faithfulness of God? By no means. Yet all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Key point, all have sinned and fallen short. We're in the same boat and are justified by his grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Messiah Yeshua, whom God put forward as a propitiation by his blood to be received by faith. Do we then overthrow the law by this faith? By no means. On the contrary, we uphold this law. Isaiah 2, 1-3 and 5 It shall come to pass in the latter days that the mountain of the house of the Lord shall be established as the highest of the mountains and shall be lifted up above the hills and the nations shall flow to it. And many peoples shall come and say, Come, let us go up to the mountain of the Lord, to the house of the God of Jacob, that he may teach us his ways and that we may walk in his path. For out of Zion shall go forth the law, and the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. O house of Jacob, come, let us walk in the light of the Lord. 39, we're getting there. Zechariah 14, 16 through 17. Then everyone who survives of all the nations that have come against Jerusalem shall go up year after year to worship the King, the Lord of hosts, and to keep the Feast of Tabernacles and if any of the families of the earth do not go up to Jerusalem to worship the King, the Lord of hosts, there will be no rain on them. And this is actually quite amazing because we often see in Christendom this teaching that, well, you know, the law is done away with, the law is a burden. You know, we who follow, you know, Yeshua, we don't need to keep the law. We don't need to keep those festivals and Sabbaths because well, that was just for the Jews. Need I remind you, we are grafted into Israel, 
We who once were far off, as Ephesians 2 set up here, once were far off from the covenants and the promise. We have now been brought in to that through Yeshua. As Yeshua said, if you love me, if you desire that relationship with me, we're not saved by works, but it is a response of our salvation. Do you love the person that you're in a relationship with? Then you will desire to please that person. You will desire to obey the things that they have made and listed out as important to them. In this case, God's word, the entirety of his word from Genesis to Revelation and his Torah, and that includes his feasts and festivals. The Feast of Tabernacles, which God gave to his people in the Torah, this feast is a feast that all who survive of the nations, all who have come against Israel in the latter days, this is the end times, God is saying the Feast of Tabernacles will be celebrated when Yeshua reigns as king. So if it's going to be important then, why isn't it important now? If our King Yeshua literally wants us to celebrate the Feast of Tabernacles in his coming kingdom, why would we not want to celebrate it now? Just a question. So anyways, let's move on. And also, of course, on top of that, we know that the Feast of Tabernacles points to Yeshua's return as our bridegroom. There's so much about this that you can look it up on the internet, how each of the festivals that God has given, each of his appointed times, they're not Jewish. I looked it up. Nowhere in the scripture does it say that these are just for the Jews. In fact, Leviticus 23, God calls them my appointed times. So I would encourage you, if you've never celebrated them, give them a look. They're all about Jesus. Moving on. Zechariah 14, 2 through 4 and 9. For I will gather all the nations against Jerusalem to battle, and the city shall be taken, and the houses plundered, and the women raped. Half of the city shall go out into exile, but the rest of the city, the rest of the people, shall not be cut off from the city. Then the Lord will go out and fight against those nations as when he fights on a day of battle. On that day his feet shall stand on the Mount of Olives that lies before Jerusalem on the east, and the Mount of Olives shall be split in two from east to west by a very wide valley, so that one half of the mount shall move northward and the other half southward. And the Lord will be king over all the earth. And that day the Lord will be one and his name one. You know, just coming back to that, what I just read, going back to the argument that was made earlier on that God doesn't care about that stretch of land in the Middle East. Read your Bible. Yeshua is literally coming back to that stretch of land in the Middle East. He's going to be planting his feet on the mount, the physical mount of olives, and it will split in two. The land of Israel, the people of Israel, all of prophecy, everything in scripture revolves around those things. So again, read your Bible. It's there. God cares about the land and the people. Isaiah 11 verse 12. He will raise a signal from the nations and will assemble the banished of Israel and gather the dispersed of Judah from the four corners of the earth. Isaiah 66, 8-9 Who has heard such a thing? Who has seen such things? Shall a land be born in one day? Shall a nation be brought forth in one moment? For as soon as Zion was in labor, she brought forth her children. Shall I bring to the point of birth and not cause to bring forth, says the Lord? 
Shall I, who caused to bring forth, shut the womb, says your God? Jeremiah 23, verse 3. Then I will gather the remnant of my flock out of all the countries where I have driven them, and I will bring them back to their fold, and they shall be fruitful and multiply. So one thing we're seeing a lot in these verses is that God is saying over and over again, I will bring my people back. I will bring my people back to the land, to the land of Israel. And so there are those who say, well, the people in Israel, they're not really the Jews. They're fake Jews. They're Khazars. They're... On that note, we have a video addressing this. Um, definitely recommend you take a look at some of these videos we've done recently on the topic of Israel, talking about Khazars, Rothschilds, all these things, and just really going back in, going against scripture. What does scripture have to say? That is so important that we have a right understanding because, hey, we're talking about Israel. But what's amazing is that we have these promises that God will bring his people back. So I guess I want to ask this question. Is God not sovereign? Was God not able to bring back with all those who are coming back to the land? Is God not able to bring back his people? Prophecy is sometimes something that takes place over a large portion of time. We have the first part of it. We have the end of it, but in between can be years and decades or even hundreds of years. And so what we are seeing in Israel is prophecy being fulfilled, that God is bringing his people back. Do we see the fulfillment, the fullness of the prophecies that Yeshua is reigning as king? Not yet, but that is something that is to come. And God bringing his people back to his land is part of that prophecy of Yeshua returning as king. Ezekiel 36, verse 22 through 29, and 33 through 38. This is a lot of verses, but these verses I felt like were really important to read. So here we go. Therefore, tell the house of Israel that this is what the Lord God says. It is not for your sake that I will act, O house of Israel, but for my holy name, which you profaned amongst the nations to which you went. I will show the holiness of my great name, which has been profaned among the nations, the name you have profaned among them, that the nations, then the nations, will know that I am the Lord, declares the Lord God, when I show my holiness in you before their eyes. And this is like actually an important point. I'm going to just mention it. God is literally saying like, I, I am bringing you back to Israel not because of anything you've done, because actually you've profaned my name. Um, I'm bringing you back because of my name. I'm bringing you back because of my covenants, because of thy, my promise that I've made to you, to Abraham, to his offspring. So even in the midst of Israel's sin and those who are not even following the God of Israel, God is saying, not even because of you, I am bringing you back because of me, because of my name. Because though even though you were faithless, I am faithful. And so that's what we see in these verses. Verse 24, For I will take you from among the nations and gather you out of all the countries, and I will bring you back into your own land. And, and this is so beautiful, and I will also sprinkle clean water on you. We read that earlier in the first verse we read in this video. And you will be clean and I will cleanse you from all your impurities and all your idols. And I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit within you. 
I will remove your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and to carefully observe my ordinances. Then you will live in the land that I gave your forefathers. You will be my people and I will be your God. And I will save you from all your uncleanness. This is what the Lord God says. On the day I cleanse you from all your iniquities, I will cause the cities to be resettled, the ruins to be rebuilt, the desolate, the desolate land will be cultivated instead of lying desolate in the sight of all who pass through. Then they will say, This land that was desolate has become like the Garden of Eden. The cities that were once ruined, desolate and destroyed, are now fortified and inhabited. And what's amazing about this verse that I just read is that Mark Twain visited Israel in 1867 and had this to say, A desolate country whose soil is rich enough but is given over wholly to weeds, a silent, mournful expanse, a desolation. We never saw a human being on the whole route, hardly a tree or shrub anywhere, even the olive tree and the cactus, those fast friends of a worthless soil, had almost deserted the country. This was the Israel that Mark Twain saw. This is the Israel that God describes here, the desolate land, the desolate land that will now become like a garden of Eden. And that is even what we are seeing in Israel. God's promises, God's prophecies can span over years and we're seeing the beginning of this coming back to life. And that is because even more so now than ever throughout all of history, we are seeing the Jewish people coming to know their Messiah. We are seeing thousands of those who are Jewish coming to see Yeshua as their Jewish Messiah right now in this time of history more than ever before. God is pouring out his Holy Spirit on his people. And we who are not the natural born can be a part of this prophecy coming to fulfillment when we also are a light to the Jewish people, when we have the love of Messiah, the same love that Yeshua had for his people. If we also come in that same love, and preach the gospel, that we also spread his kingdom. That is how all Israel will be saved. That is how we can take part in this prophecy being fulfilled. And now for the last few verses, verse 37. This is what the Lord God says. Once again, I will hear the plea of the house of Israel and do for them this. I will multiply their people like a flock, like the numerous flocks for sacrifices at Jerusalem during her appointed feasts. So the ruined cities will be filled with flocks of people. Then they will know that I am the Lord. Isaiah 1, 27. Zion shall be redeemed by justice, and those in her who repent by righteousness. Zechariah 8, verse 3. Thus says the Lord, I have returned to Zion, and will dwell in the midst of Jerusalem, and Jerusalem shall be called the faithful city and the mountain of the Lord of hosts, the holy mountain. Zechariah 2, 8 through 12. For thus says the Lord of hosts, after his glory, sent me to the nations who plundered you. For he who touches you touches the apple of his eye. He who touches Jerusalem, he who touches Israel, touches the apple of God's eye. Behold, the Lord says, I will shake my hand over them, and they shall become plunder for those who served them. 
Then you will know that the Lord of hosts has sent me. Sing and rejoice, O daughter of Zion. For behold, I come and I will dwell in your midst, declares the Lord. And many nations shall join themselves to the Lord in that day and shall be my people. And I will dwell in your midst, and you shall know that the Lord of hosts has sent me to you. And the Lord will inherit Judah as his portion in the holy land, and will again choose Jerusalem. We have people, we have places. God is talking about both physical people, physical lands. He's also talking about spiritual promises, spiritual people, and all these things. The physical and the spiritual are not at odds. They work hand in hand. Galatians 3.29 And if you are Christ's, if you are Messiah's, then you are Abraham's offspring, heirs according to promise. Matthew 28.19-20 And Yeshua said to them, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations. All nations! That includes all nations. <laughs> the word all. Baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. I included this verse because, well, all nations includes those who are of the tribe of Judah, those who are of whatever tribe, nation, and tongue. Anyone who does not yet know Yeshua as Messiah, we are called as believers to go to be a light and to spread the gospel. Acts 1 verse 8, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And ye will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, and in all Judea, and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Yeshua sent out his disciples from Jerusalem. Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, that area of land is important. Alright, bonus verse, Zechariah 12, 7-10. Yes, there's a couple verses here, but I need to read them because they're great. And the Lord will give salvation to the tents of Judah first that the glory of the house of David and the glory of the inhabitants of Jerusalem may not surpass that of Judah. And on that day, the Lord will protect the inhabitants of Jerusalem, so that the feeblest among them on that day shall be like David, and the house of David shall be like God, like the angel of the Lord going before them. And on that day, I will seek to destroy all the nations that come against Jerusalem. And I will pour out on the house of David and the inhabitants of Jerusalem a spirit of grace and prayer, so that when they look on me, on him whom they have pierced, they shall mourn for him as one mourns for an only child, and weep bitterly over him as one weeps for a firstborn. You know what's so beautiful about this is that this is talking about those who don't yet know Yeshua. That's why they are mourning, because they are on him whom they have pierced. But yet God is saying, I will pour out on them a spirit of grace and prayer for those who will repent. It is spoken of earlier. We read it earlier. All those who will repent, who come in repentance, God has grace upon. And so there is this mystery of salvation of the Jewish people that is hinted at here. And if that is God's heart for his people, should that not be, again, our heart? So that was a lot of verses to read. Thank you so much for joining and bearing with me as we read through these verses, but they are so important, as I hope you can see, as we get to understand God's heart for the land and the people of Israel, both the physical 
and the spiritual. As the psalmist says in Psalm 137 verse 5, If I forget you, O Jerusalem, let my right hand forget its skill. So is God done with the Jewish people? Is God done with the physical land of Israel? Not according to his word. You cannot worship the God of Israel and simultaneously reject Israel. Let us be careful in our zeal for truth that we do not end up fighting against God, that we do not end up coming against that which he has called his. I saw this great post on Facebook and I just need to read it, so here we go. Why Israel matters to believers in Yeshua. Why should Israel matter? Well, Yeshua was born in Israel. Mary and Joseph were from Israel. Jesus was baptized in Israel. Yeshua fasted 40 days in the wilderness of Israel. Yeshua preached the Sermon on the Mount in Israel. All the original 12 apostles were from Israel. All the miracles of Yeshua were performed in Israel. The Last Supper occurred in Israel. The betrayal of Yeshua occurred in Israel. Yeshua prayed, not my will, but thy will be done in Israel. Yeshua was crucified in Israel. Yeshua died in Israel. Yeshua was buried in Israel. Yeshua rose from the dead in Israel. Yeshua ascended back to heaven from Israel. The Holy Spirit was first poured out at Pentecost, Shavuot, in Israel. The church was born, the first believers of Yeshua, what we call the Ecclesia, was born in Israel. The first sermons of this first body of believers in Yeshua were preached in Israel. The first miracles of the apostles were performed in Israel. The first baptisms occurred in Israel. The first missionaries to the nations were sent out from Israel. And then of course, when Yeshua returns, he will return to Israel. So why should we as believers pray for Israel and for the people of Israel? Because it is what scripture is all about. Blessings and Shalom.